0: studio 1 at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta Georgia this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio the ESPN app and on Sirius XM channel 80 Put my name up in the light.
1: it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 and your smart speakers Harry Douglas Jason Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. And we start immediately with breaking news. We have a Woge bomb. Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted out Warriors All-Star forward Andrew Wiggins is nearing a return to the team and is expected to be back early this week. Sources have told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski Wiggins has missed 22 games attending to a family matter. Now, we'll get to other teams in the West, but Harry, this just came across the board. We haven't talked about this at all. Uh, we just got this information, and all I keep thinking when I first see this is you have been passionate about one thing with the Warriors over the course of our conversation uh, for months at this point, and that is we have no idea what they're going to be in the playoffs until we know if they'll have Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I see this news. I think it's huge for Golden State.
2: Hey, don't be t- telling lies to the people talking about we ain't talk about this. Yes, we did in our damn pre-show meeting. We talked uh, about it, fits. Remember, I said because I, I literally said this this morning. I don't know about the Warriors if Andrew Wiggins isn't there, because what he's able to provide, he's that third guy that you can count on being a scorer. He's also that third guy you can count on as being an elite defender, as we've seen him doing the um, in the NBA Finals last year. He's just an all-around player that's good for the game of basketball. That's dynamic for the Golden State Warriors. And if he wasn't going to be back. I didn't see how golden state was going to be able to compete for a championship and defend their crown. Now, if he does come back, that changes a lot of things. Now, I don't know what his basketball shape is or whatnot, but I'm pretty sure he's been working out while away, but you know, game playing shape is different from working out playing shape. The warriors do have an opportunity. If Andrew Wiggins is on the court without him, I didn't think they had a chance to win the championship and defend their title with Andrew Wiggins. This shakes up a lot of more things. But a lot of teams in the Western Conference, man, they have all kind of things going on. But one team that doesn't have a lot going on right now in my eyes I think it's the Los Angeles Lakers fits.
1: Mm, you, well, I mean, certainly you have been high on uh, all year on the one thing that the Lakers need to do. Like, th- this has not been rocket science in the mind of this show. Uh, it has been clear since Le- since LeBron got hurt the first time uh, that we looked at this and said, okay, what needs to happen? And, and Harry, frankly, has been clear on it from the outset, including the day after LeBron's injury. Uh, he was on Keyshawn J. Willimax. My guy, Harry, was there. And they asked what AD needed to do. And this is what. Harry said then on February
2: 28th. He better dig the hell deep then. <laughs> like, he, he, he's up. He, he's up. And I, and I get it, Jay. I get it. But he's up. The, the, the king is down. The king is down. When they brought you over to L.A., you were supposed to take all that pressure off LeBron. It was supposed to be you becoming the guy. Now it's the time for you to become the guy and be the guy. So you're up in my eyes. So mm.
1: th- the question is, how would that work out? Harry, we've seen that over the last, uh, the last week, particularly. Uh, he has heard the call. AD a- heard the phone ring and he picked it up and he's like, Yes, Mr. Douglas, what can I do?
2: Well, I'll be honest with you. I think it started like with that game right there. Um, since LeBron James got hurt, Anthony Davis is, is averaging 28.7 points per game. He's been a dominant force in the paint. And I think for Darvin Ham, it's imperative that you play through this young man. D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I don't think that combination when all those guys uh, have played with one another, I don't believe they've lost a game yet, to be honest. And I just love the dynamics of this basketball team when everyone is healthy. But the ball must go through Anthony Davis. If it doesn't, then a lot of things are going to be up in the air. When you have a guy in a big like AD, and I, I know AD very well, uh, from his playing days, not on a personal relationship, but when my brother Tony Douglas played with him in New Orleans. And I've seen the force that he was on the basketball court then. Now you add a LeBron James around him, a D'Angelo Russell, a Austin Reeves who's been stepping up, Malik Beasley coming off of the bench. Now is the time for Anthony Davis for everything to go through him. And if the Lakers want a chance at getting to an NBA championship – that's where it has to start. And then also, Anthony Davis has to be an anchor defensively. That's why I think this basketball team is at at the moment.
1: I, I think it starts with AD, but it also starts with Darvin Ham. And that's something that I've said over the last week, too, is that Darvin Ham has got to make sure that he's getting AD involved in this game repeatedly every single night. It's really got to be a focus from player to coach. Darvin Ham, the coach uh, of the uh, Lakers, said at his press conference, uh, he talked about Anthony Davis playing well during this road trip. This is what he said.
0: You know, we always said we want to get stronger as the season gets longer, and be playing our best basketball at the right time. Well, the time is definitely right, and uh, everybody's in a good, good, good rhythm. Um, and, you know, starting with him first and foremost, he um, he understands he understands wholeheartedly what we need him to do, and uh, he's coming out and trying to do that. You know, on an individual basis, but playing within himself, playing the ball, playing the game the right way really not trying to force anything, and definitely not settling, you know, just being in attack mode the entire time. So it's great. And and, and that energy and that rhythm is trickling down to the rest of our roster.
2: Now we he, have he, the – go ahead. He, here's what's unique about the situation now. You look at the Lakers, right, and you look at the standings in the Western Conference, they have the seventh seed. They have 40 wins, 38 losses. The Golden State Warriors, who are right above them, have 41 wins, 38 losses. And then the Clippers, who they do play again, they do play again, has the same record as the Golden State Warriors, but they sit in the five seed. If you're the Lakers right now and you're sitting at this seven seed, you don't want to be in no play-in situation. When you see the prize of, you know, solidifying a spot in the playoffs, not the play-in, but the playoffs, are right in your hands. Your last four games, you have Utah twice, uh, your next two on the road, at Utah, and then the Clippers, which is on the road, but technically it's in the same building that you play in. But then you have a game against the Phoenix Suns, and then you have Utah again to end the year. That game, they need to win all of them in my, in my opinion, but that game against the Phoenix Suns is really, really a game I'm going to be paying attention to, Fitz, because it's a lot of things that we can probably see from that matchup alone that's on Friday night.
1: Yeah, well, 100%. And now you're looking at a, a Lakers team that could rise as high as to the five seed. I mean, that yep. Suns-Lakers uh, game could be a preview of a first-round matchup. And if you're the NBA, that's a little bit of a disaster, right? Like, you kind of want the Lakers-Suns, if that's going to happen, to happen even later. You know, it, it is interesting because part of this is about uh, the two teams are now connected. When you talk about the Warriors getting Wiggins back, that's important because part of this is about the implosion of Golden State. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. I know that doesn't sound like implosion. But when the Lakers are seven and three and when the entire West is so tightly packed together, you just can't drop games, you know? So if you're Golden State right now, you're looking around and trying to find a way to keep yourself in the playoffs instead of the play-in. You're going to have to win everything that's left in front of you. And if you're the Lakers, you're going to have to continue to keep the foot all the way down and, and try and keep the gas pumped to the point that you can continue to win every one of these games. There's no opportunity for load management. There's no opportunity for an off night going into the playoffs. The Lakers have too much on the line, but realistically you're right. Like I'm the one that has said for a long time, the Lakers are done! The Lakers are done! And now I'm like my God, I might have to eat some crow here because suddenly they're playing well enough that they get into the playoffs, and this is a worst-case scenario for a lot of the West. If a, if a healthy Lakers team that's on a roll that seems to have figured out how to use their spacing and shooting better over the course of the back half of the season comes in with AD playing as well as he's playing and LeBron knocking the rust off, I don't think anyone wants to face that team. Like That is more difficult than I've wanted to give it credit to for the last two weeks.
2: Yeah, and I think the Warriors really did themselves a disservice losing to a different Nuggets team without Nikola Jokic. That, that 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 was a loss that they couldn't afford to have. They only have three games left. Uh, Oklahoma City, the Thunder, they're in a dogfight, you know, to put themselves in a position to be in a play-in situation. They have them on the schedule left. Sacramento, at Sacramento, we know what they've been able to do this entire season, and Mike Brown leading the charge for those guys, along with De'Aaron Fox. And then lastly, they finish at Portland. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be – you know, much of a challenge. But those first two, Oklahoma City and Sacramento, the Warriors could easily lose any of those games easily.
1: Yeah, this is going to be wild going into the playoffs because there's so many scenarios where you could end up with something as crazy as Grizzlies, Warriors in the first round for the Grizzlies. Like, right, right? Like, the number of different dramatic outcomes we could get is pretty staggering. Anthony Davis has been getting it done. Getting it done brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call or click Granger.com or Just stop by. All right. We'll keep breaking down the NBA news. I'm sure it's early in the day. We'll just have plenty more bombs to give us. But in the meantime, why one team is one win away from joining the elite of the elite. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: The UConn Huskies will play for a national championship. When we're playing harder than the other team, which we're able to kind of body blow our opponent. I think Dan Hurley put it best. They just wear you down. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Yukon Huskies will play for a national championship. When we're playing harder than the other team, which is our calling card. Go rebound, Carim's right to Sunogo for an easy two. You know we're able to kind of, you know, body blow our opponent. When you look at this Connecticut team, they can beat you in the post. They can beat you with the three. I think Dan Hurley put it best. They just wear you down. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network.
1: It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of conversation about what we saw last night, but tonight the men will take the court and we will crown a champion on the men's side for the NCAA tournament and it raises a question about greatness. It raises a question about blue bloods. Raises questions about dominance. But before we get to any of that, Harry, producer extraordinaire Evan just walked in. And, uh, you know, everybody that listens to the show every day. On Wednesdays, we like to do, you know, Dress for Success Wednesday. We like to look prim and proper. Uh, there's suits going on. In fact... I, I might go this week and uh, might might get myself a new one. Uh, you and I are going to be on first take on Thursday, so might uh, I might don a new suit for that one. I, I figure I know you're going to look like you know a million bucks in some custom tailored like skin tight <laughs> suit. So I got to, yeah no that's what it's like skin tight. So I what? you know I get hell? what kind of noise did you just <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's no, a you fabric. just hold on okay now. well that's the fabric <laughs> that's the fabric just like whoop, coming right whoop, oh that's right the fabric okay, yeah that's the okay, fabric
2: okay. <laughs> I was confused All for right.
1: a second <laughs> uh, which is only ironic because the kids like to call it drip but uh this is the other thing evan uh i, I found out evan this weekend went to macy's to uh to do a little shopping so yeah. that you could step up your game but it has come to my attention evan that that shopping experience may not have been exactly what no, most it people may have, have led
3: to a flagrant too okay <laughs> uh, so i was uh, so i have to explain this this is important context the macy's by by espn uh in bristol it's in west hartford where i live And there's two separate Macy's in the mall. So, like, one of the Macy's has men's and a couple other things, shoes and all that. (laughs) The other Macy's has everything else. Kids, women's, like, home cookware and stuff. So, that's important context because I went to the men's Macy's first. They had a ton of sport coats on sale. I bought two sport coats, bought two new pairs of pants, Mm -hmm. bought a new dress shirt. Like, really, really, like, dressed, got, got really, like ready for Dress for Success Wednesday for the next couple of weeks. My wife then had to go to the other Macy's and get something for her niece, who's nine. Birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Lily. So we went up to New Hampshire for that. My wife, as she's looking, I'm like, I'm a small guy. Let me go see how much the kids' sport jackets are and do I fit into them. So I go. I try one on. It is an 18 regular. So, so in men's, I'm a 36 short. 18 regular. It's... Length- you just want a jacket that says regular on it so you don't feel short. Go ahead. So Lengthwise, fine. The sleeves were fine, but it was a little snug. It was Again, mind you, it was a kid's jacket, so it should be. I was really trying <laughs> sure. it on to send you guys like a fat guy little coat video, but then it fit me too well to do that. So then my wife's like, all right, now you should try on the next size up, the 20 regular, and see if that fits. The problem was, that was actually too big for me. I tried on a kid's (laughs) jacket (laughs) that was too big for me. It was so embarrassing. What? Here's the worst part. As I'm taking off the kid's jacket, a kid who should be shopping in the section sneaks behind me. I go to take the jacket off and clock him right in the head.
2: (laughs) So, so you're out here abusing kids while you're in the kids section trying on kid clothes.
1: <laughs> Evan does not have kids. Evan no. is the size of a child. Uh, yes. Evan was shopping in the children's section when the jacket <laughs> in the children's section was too big for Evan and he had to take it on off. He then elbowed a child that was actually appropriately in the section. That's yes. what we're hearing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like if, what, if you're looking at what did the kid me, do? If you're you hit at- him. It didn't phase him. And the mom, the mom goes, Oh, did he try to sneak around you? So the mom immediately knew that he was wrong.
1: I mean, like, Ev- Evan had knees like a, a strong gust of wind. I mean, it's not hold, gonna phase him too hold much. Hold on.
3: Uh Miriam, go back to the other shot. I'm gonna walk behind Evan so those watching on ESPN app can see how tall I actually am. Okay, yeah. I this is how tall I actually am.
1: Evan is is now that he's away from the microphone, like Evan's probably I'm gonna guess five three. If I had to if I like I constantly say that Evan's like <laughs> You know, four foot eight, like five three. Give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Am I five three ish, Evan? And we feel five two, five four. Oh, he says five four. Well, five four in his license, ah, which means four. he's five one and a half. So you know, it's like NBA license. <laughs> you're like he, he's as five four as I am 511. So you know I, but I love the fact that the first one was like your Goldilocks here. The first one's a little snug, and you're like, but that's okay, guys, it's a Kid's jacket. The second jacket, also a kid's jacket, was too big. So <laughs> that, that's where we are at this point, Evan. And, and, and was the mom okay that you oh, elbowed her, her kid?
3: Yeah, she said, did did he try to sneak around you? He does that. So clearly in her mind, she knew right away what he does and that he does this in the mall often and sort of invades people's personal space. Even if those people probably shouldn't be trying on jackets in the kids section, he was in my personal space. <laughs> he saw, he so saw are he's you saying
2: to- that that kid was a
1: peeping Tom? No, no, no. It's more like, I mean, the kid belonged in the children's section. I oh, like, so I'm not, Evan, Evan, Evan. We you
2: know, should be blaming Evan for this. Evan,
1: Evan walks in with a shirt no. that says, I'm just short. The, That's it. Like,
3: as I told my wife, the only thing I can be held responsible for and, and like what I was wrong for was shopping in that section. I was not wrong for elbowing the kid in the face, in the head, because he came around me. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Evan. No, I wasn't wrong for that. The only thing I am wrong for in this entire situation is shopping in the kids' section. The, the, hey, and Fitz, it was more expensive
2: he, he anyway. donkey Kong. He Donkey Kong a kid. Yeah. I am not responsible for Donkey Konging this <laughs> kid. If
3: I, had just, if I had just looked at the price, we could have avoided all this because the the jacket I bought was so on sale that it was actually cheaper than the kid's section The jacket. kid saw that he was about uh, to buy his jacket. He had to get in there. Yeah, yeah there's man. also a
2: whole fashion question to ask What is ask this you? grown man doing in my section?
1: Uh, like, is the fashion of the, the kid's jacket the same? Is it, because I would imagine that a, Very a, a, close. a fourth grader is probably not wearing the same suit jacket. It, Evan, that you know you should wear to dress for Okay, this did you is, get a clip-on tie as well? No, yeah, yeah. no,
3: but it did. It did come with a pocket square built into <laughs> it. So like, <laughs> this
2: yeah, is that's what, how the kids' clothes are, Evan. Like when I shop for my son. Like, they, everything comes in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everything. This is amazing. I'm only imagining now that there's going to be... How old How old is your son, Harry? Like He's three. Three. Okay, I couldn't remember if he was three or four. He's three years. It'll be about a year before he's the one holding Evan's hand, taking him into the store, and he's like, you look in this jacket, <laughs> this no. jacket. They're like, He's going to take Evan shopping uh, for, for no, jackets. No, Harry <laughs> and
3: I already have a deal. When Harry's kid gets to, to like, 10 years old, he's just going to hand me down his clothes. Uh,
1: so suddenly you're yeah, going to like Yeah, we already a, talked about it. You're going to look like a fashionable culture kid from Atlanta? That's an interesting look. Uh, I've got to get to some sports here. I will say uh, UConn has a chance tonight to win their fifth championship in 25 years, something that has never been done before. Uh, And that leads to Sean Farnham, our ESPN NBA analyst, uh, making the case that I've heard several people make at this point that UConn would actually, you know, would they be considered as a blue blood
0: No, Myron, they will not join as a blue blood. And here's why. Because that's the most overused term in the history of college basketball. Here's what I would say. UConn's athletic department's decision to move out of the American and, and commit to wanting to be a basketball school and go back to the Big East with its natural geographical footprint of recruiting and rivalries instead of Tulsa and Tulane. And no disrespect to either one of those two programs. But instead of those programs in Eastern Carolina coming in to play up at the XL Center, you've got Seton Hall, Georgetown, Villanova, those are schools that resonate within that fan base and gets them excited. And when you have games and atmospheres that get you excited, it allows you to recruit. When you look at this roster, the makeup of this roster, it's based on a lot of kids within that footprint. And guess what? They're here. They've been a great program. They they hit a lull based on, I think, the decision to try to help football.
1: Sean Farnham says they will not be a Blue Blood. The question is, do we agree, or is Sean just mad because he went to UCLA and they can't win a championship either? We'll answer that question. Is Connecticut actually a Blue Blood if they win a title? We'll give you our thoughts on it coming up. Fitz and Harry uh, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2: Carson banks it in! My goodness,
0: it's wizardry! Morris into the pain, leaning and hitting! Alexis Morris trying to take LSU to the finish line.
1: Kim Mulkey in year two has orchestrated a turnaround for the ages. LSU has captured its very first national championship! Congratulations to LSU capturing their first basketball championship. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We'll get to that in a second, but Harry... I, uh, I almost got myself just walked out of the whole company. Like they would have just uh, escorted me off the campus. Uh, the, I don't even know, like uh, people would have, they would have boxed my things and mailed it to me as I, mm-hmm. I had to tinkle during the last break and you know that I've got the bladder of a child, right? So I go to the door and these <laughs> studio doors at ESPN are very heavy for anyone that's never seen a studio. Like it's all glass. It's all soundproof. So the doors are very heavy intentionally. So I'm mm-hmm. opening the door and you know, you just really get used to yanking the door open. As I'm opening the door, because I'm not paying attention to anything like like the idiot I am, I don't realize that the great Christine Lisi is pushing on the door. I let the door <laughs> flop open in a way that Christine was outrageously close to just tumbling everywhere. Like, I think I came pretty close to killing Christine. And Devin, producer on the show, is walked into the halls and he just looks at me and he's like, you would become the single greatest villain in ESPN history if you caused any harm to Christine Lisi. Like, the baked goods in, in radio would go away. The the treats would be gone. I don't know. Like, I, I would have just, I would, I just left. I would have walked out of the restroom, no, 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 sent no, you a text, no, no. said, sorry, I'm out, and I would have just gone to my no, car. No, no, no.
2: That, that's not what would have uh-uh. happened. Put your hands behind your back, sir. your hands behind your back. Immediately, your hands, they're gonna arrest your ass. They're gonna they gonna haul you right on out of there. Now, don't get me wrong, you my boy, and we gotta do a show, so I'm i I'm gonna make sure that you're out. I'm gonna do all I can to get you out. Harry's you like, know, I'll but, bail you out. They gonna take they gonna take you in though.
1: Oh yeah, I'll be wearing like an anklet <laughs> bracelet for a while. Like things are just not gonna go well for me. That uh, well, Luckily, Christine is fine. Uh, Devin, I, I I I've saved myself. We probably would have stopped like ESPN Radio. <laughs> we're 24 seven. We probably would have stopped the show to figure out what we're gonna do with you. And yeah, then we would have moved on. The one thing that. Wouldn't have let me do was read any of the Sports Center updates uh, during her absence. So, you know, luckily, Christine laughed and was like, "Oh my gosh, thank you!" Like, because she's just the nicest person in the world. All right, uh, let's get you some expertise and insight on what we saw last night from somebody that would know better than most. Ty Young, former WNBA and uh, JMU uh, guard, all, AP All-American. The resume speaks for itself. Ty, really appreciate you carving out time for us because there's so much controversy. So, as a former player, when I said when I look at this Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark thing, what do you?
4: You know, I actually think it's good for the game. The trash talk, the hype, it gets viewers, it gets people engaged. And, you know, a lot of people are saying what Angel Reese did was classless. But there was nothing different from what Caitlin did games prior.
2: Yeah, Ty, I got to ask you, um, because you played the game at a high level. You played very competitively when you was at James Madison. For some reason, I don't know why people like to paint women in a light. to. They have to act this way. They can't do the same things as men. When you were out there playing, the trash talk is consistently going on, just like it is in the men's game, right or wrong? Right, absolutely. So when people look at Angel Reese as being classless, and but, you know, Caitlin Clark is being praised for it, What's your mindset? Because like you just mentioned, I think it's perfect for women's basketball. And I think there was nothing wrong with what Caitlin did. I thought it was nothing wrong with what Angel did. But from a competitive standpoint, talk about how women compete at a high level just like men do. The competition is no different. Yeah, we're women. Yeah, they're men.
4: But at the end of the day, we all are basketball players. We all are competitive. And we're all passionate about what we do. So I don't even believe there should be any talk about what men is doing and what men are capable of doing and what women are capable of doing. We're all athletes with the same passion with what we do.
1: We're talking to Ty Young, former WNBA and JMU guard, uh, on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And Ty, you've mentioned a couple of times good for the game. Uh, it feels like there's been a tremendous rise in awareness, popularity, and even talent uh, across women's college basketball as a whole level. What do you think has caused that?
4: Um, Social media. You know, now you have um, people posting clicks. It's almost like clickbait. They take one clip and make it a controversial clip without seeing the entirety of the game or the entirety of the whole play that happened. You know, just like that last game, people who haven't watched The Louisville and Iowa game, when Caitlin do it, probably didn't understand why Angel had did that at the end of her game. But if you are watching all the games, you understand where it comes from, especially as a Hooper and especially as people who are fans. It's like bring that same energy. They won the championship. She was excited. They both are trash talkers. I didn't see an issue with it.
2: Yeah, me either. And I got to ask you about uh, Caitlin Clark because – The way she plays the game of basketball is is unbelievable. Uh, She definitely didn't have the help that she needed against LSU because LSU, Angel Reese is phenomenal. Uh, The players around her are phenomenal as well. And she couldn't single-handedly, you know, lead Iowa to a championship. But what about the run that she had during this tournament?
4: Oh, she had an amazing run. No doubt she's a hooper. She led that team to a championship. You know, and you don't want to say alone because you have teammates for a reason, but the way that their system is set up is for her to have the green light and take as many shots as she wants, and what she should because she excels in that, you know. But it's hard to beat a championship team when the game is split amongst. When you look at the, the final stat sheet, all of the starters were basically in double digits for LSU, whereas Iowa – who Caitlin? She had thirty points, but everyone else had eight points, two points, six, ten. You know, so it's hard to beat a team like that. But no doubt about it, she had an amazing season and amazing year. Kudos to her. Absolutely. You
1: know, Ty, it hits me thinking about just the the history of the game at the collegiate level. You know, I, I was in Nashville for years when. Uh, the Lady Vols were, it felt like it, and now I live in Connecticut where it feels like uh, the UConn women's team has been it. What's it mean for the game to have a team like LSU come in and win a championship as opposed to South Carolina? As great a story as that was, but having someone come in that may be a little less traditional.
4: I think it's awesome, you know, especially when an underdog comes to win because there's no doubt about it. Everyone, well, I won't say everyone, but majority of people thought, you know, South Carolina was going to come back and win it. So then when they lost in the semis, it brings more awareness to the games. It makes people tune in more because it's like, oh, shoot, South Carolina lost. Now you want to see, well, who's going to be the champ this year? And I think that is what engages more viewers and which is great for our game when you have other teams that can step up and bring it to the table.
2: Now, Ty, we got to finish this off the right way. And I want to bring in my producer, Evan, because Evan – Watched you play. Evan knows all about you, Ty. And he wants to chime in a little bit.
3: <laughs> no, just to okay. say, I just say I called like three of your games in college. I went to Hofstra, broadcasted, and, and you and that JMU team was really impressive. And, and Kenny Brooks was the head coach who just went with VaTech to the Final Four. So I just, just remembered the name and, and good to have you on the show. But yes, yeah, I watched you play uh, three, different, three different games at JMU against Hofstra. Oh,
4: thank you.
1: Nice. That's awesome! Look at that. Uh, I didn't know all those worlds were oh, going to uh, didn't know those worlds were going to collide together. Ty, I really appreciate you hanging out with us. I appreciate I appreciate your expertise on all of this. It's really nice to get perspective of somebody that played the game and that knows this game so so incredibly
2: well. Oh no 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 no! First, Ty. Thank you. Fitz Fitz wants one of the hoodies. He wants to tell him where he can go buy one of the hoodies because he loves the hoodie when I wear. Oh on my the show. god, that's where the hoodie! Yes,
4: tell oh, me yes. where I so, these things the are hoodie. fire
2: fire. Yeah. Where do I buy it? Thank you so much.
4: TY1gear.com. I just released some new ones, so TY1gear.com. I am going you can there. get the loyalty hoodie. Like, right now, I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy it
1: during this commercial. I'll also tweet out the link so we can make sure everybody knows how they can get it. Ty, really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the expertise.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: All right, Thank so God. the question we were asking earlier, Sean Farnham chimed in and said, UConn is not a blue blood. But tonight, they could do something unprecedented. We'll tell you what it is, and if it changes the answer to that question next, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2: For
0: the fifth time, in school history, the UConn Huskies will play for a national championship. When we're playing harder than the other team, which is our calling card. Go, rebound, Karam's right to Sunogo for an easy two. You know, we're able to kinda, you know, body blow our opponent. When you look at this Connecticut team, they can beat you in the post, they can beat you with the three. I think Dan Hurley put the it best, they just wear you down. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network.
1: It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Connecticut has a chance to do something unprecedented win a fifth championship in 25 years. Think about that. Five chips in 25 years. The question is, does that make them a blue blood? And that's a complicated answer, Harry, because not everybody sees it the same. I'll play you just the very beginning of what Sean Farnham said when he was asked, is Connecticut a blue blood if they win this? And he said,
0: no, Myron, they will not join as a blue blood.
1: He goes on. He gives more explanation. But this is the part that just haunts me when he says,
0: no, Myron, they will not join as a blue blood.
1: Here's my thing, Harry. Like, to me, a blue blood is a program that you know is going to have a competitive team year in and year out. It's a program that most people realize are really accomplished in basketball, right? When you hear that school, even if you're going for other reasons, you think of that school and you think of basketball. How can you tell me that Connecticut's not on that list, Even, even knowing that I live in Connecticut right now? And I had a concept of how important UConn basketball was when I moved up here. You live around New England, and it grows tenfold. They're, for a large group of fans of multiple generations, when you think of Connecticut, you think of championship basketball teams. Like I think that's about as blue
2: blood as you can get. Uh, yes, I do. Now, l- l- let's do something here, Fitz. Uh, I'm going to go through a list of teams, and you tell me if they're blue bloods, right? And I'm going to mention the okay. number of national championships that they have, men's basketball. UCLA, 11 championships. Are they a blue blood? Yeah. Kentucky, eight championships. Are they a blue blood? Yeah. North Carolina, six championships, are they a blue blood? Yeah, of course. Duke, five championships, are they a blue blood? Yes. Indiana, five championships, are they a blue blood? Even though it's been... A, See, a like, long time since I they think, won
1: one. I don't think of Indiana as a blue blood because, like, my God, I, I'm old and I don't remember Indiana winning championships. <laughs> like, not only that, but I'm old and I don't really remember Indiana being relevant most years. Like, most years you're not like, well, cross it off. Indiana's getting one, one, two, or three seed. Mo- you're watching Indiana when you're like stuck in the middle of January. You've got like cold and you realize you have no no choice but to sit down and watch bad Big Ten basketball.
2: Go ahead. Okay, I got one more for you. Right. Kansas four national championships. Are they a blue blood? Yeah, I'll give you Kansas. It's a blue blood. Okay, yeah. so if 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 UConn wins a championship tonight, they will have five in the last twenty five years, right? Five five national championships. Mm-hmm. How in the hell do you not consider them a blue blood? If I just mention Duke, Indiana, and Kansas. Which are the first two? Indiana Duke have five, and Kansas has four, and UConn wins another one. How, how, how does that? How does that translate? That, that, that doesn't make sense to me.
1: I mean, here's the thing. Again, I'm old, and like we talked about UCLA being in there. UCLA hasn't won a championship since I was in high school. Like, what? At this point, there are kids playing high level college basketball. There are kids playing in the NBA that don't know that UCLA UCLA ever won a
2: championship. Like, can't say that about UConn. Oh, but wait wait a minute. Wait a minute, Fitz. Is Michigan State two national championships? Are they a blue blood?
1: No, no, no. Although they're right on the line. But a lot of people, a lot of people.
2: Exactly. A lot of people, because of Tom Izzo, would consider them that. Yeah. But how do you have a team, uh, uh, a basketball program like UConn, who was going for their fifth national championship in the last 25 years, and you don't consider them that. And let's not just talk about them winning the national championships. They did it with Jim Calhoun. They did it with Kevin Ollie, And now it's about to be Dan Hurley if they're able to win that. The last team I can remember, we talked about this in our show meeting, was Kentucky, right, with Tubby Smith, um, John Calipari, also Rick Pitino being able to win three championships with those three coaches. Now, I'm pretty sure it might be some other ones. It might not, but that's the top one I can think of the top of my head at the moment.
1: I mean, when you start talking about multiple generations, you start talking about multiple head coaches, you start talking about uh, multiple uh, players in the NBA, you start talking about multiple championships, the hell else do you need to be a blue blood? And on top <laughs> of that, you know, I'll, I'll steal the SEC phrase. It just means more. The SEC always tells you it just means more, and I do believe that the SEC is invested at a spot where they've really they've proven that in Connecticut. Frankly, college basketball just means more. Like it is alarming when you see how many places around here have UConn basketball hoodies, UConn basketball shirts, Uh, UConn basketball games are a tough ticket to get all the time. Like UConn basketball is a destination for New
2: England and for the women's and men's. Uh,
1: I don't Both. know, like, if they're not a blue blood, what are they not checking off the list? I mean, that's the other part of this. And you know, yeah. Dan Orlovsky, by the way, is going to join us in just a few minutes. And Dan Orlovsky uh, knows Connecticut better than anyone. He was playing in Connecticut as, uh, in football, obviously, uh, when they won a national championship. He he understands this. He said on Get Up this morning that if they win, uh, that, that at this point, UConn is the biggest, the best basketball school in the country. I think that it's hard for people to necessarily figure that out because you don't necessarily think of Connecticut that way. But you should at this point. There's nothing else they can do. There's nothing else left to prove. There's nothing else they haven't done that these other programs are doing. And the fact that they've done it without an Izzo, without a Coach K, without somebody like that that we can talk about, uh, I, I think it speaks to this, not to take anything away from Calhoun, but the fact that they've been able to move on and continue to have this success has to mean something.
2: No, it it has to, and I remember, you know, the the UConn basketball days when I was at Louisville, right, in the Big East, and my school was ranked in the top five every year And the battles. UConn, man, and and what they've been able to do the last 25 years cannot be ignored, and I'm not going to sit up here and let anybody say that they aren't a blue blood, especially if they win this national championship tonight. When you can have players on a consistent basis come out of there and go to the – NBA when you can win championships when you can have success and I'm glad they are back in the big East now because I just think that conference is so tough like that think about the big East over the years and how tough it is to come out of the big East no no matter you know who the team is like you know competition is going to be uh steep you know it's going to be stiff and you know that you're going to have to come to play game in and game out look at UConn outside of conference play outside of conference play they've been phenomenal not to say that they weren't phenomenal in conference play, but they were better outside of conference play. But that just lets you know that the Big East is not a joke.
1: Yeah, I, I look at all of this and say UConn has done everything they need to do, including dominate throughout the course of this tourney. That being said, I'm kind of rooting for San Diego State to win the national championship because no team <laughs> west of the Mississippi has done it since 1997. And I'm just imagining the look on the Farnums face, I love you, Sean, of the world that are out there saying, man, it wasn't UCLA, it wasn't USC, it wasn't even Gonzaga that finally broke the West Coast streak. It was San Diego State. Now that I've said that, I hope Dan Orlovsky wasn't listening because we'll get his thoughts on the NFL and maybe on Connecticut next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
3: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.